Welcome. You're listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Visit us on the web at vedanta.org. Naham vasami vaikunti nacha yoginam ridai yatra mad bhaktagayanti tatra tishtaminarada. I do not reside in heaven, nor in the hearts of the yogis, but, O Narada, I am present where devotees sing my praises. Jesus says, for where there are two or three who gather in my name, I am with them. The topic today is power of prayers. Thank you very much for coming here, and good morning to you all. Last Sunday, as the topic was announced, I was delighted because, of course, the topic was decided a couple of months, a month ago, in advance. A gentleman comes and saying, my prayers have been answered. Saying, what happened? I had written to the head Swami, we would like to hear something of prayers. And there you are. I said, yes. So who says God doesn't listen to our prayers? <laughs> but he had anticipated the whole movement. <laughs> Is prayer insignificant? The scriptures say that the avatar descends because of the prayers of people. So, we know now God listens to our prayers. We face many evils in life. In fact, life is not easy for anyone. And when prayers are answered, we call it miracle or grace. The subject is very vast and I'll take a few of the salient points to highlight the power of prayers and how it can transform our lives. It's curious if you can see the phenomena that nobody has taught us to pray. It's natural. Amazing. And this is cross-cultural and found in every religion. We do not know if the lower beings, I call it lower beings in the sense of uh, not with the kind of a superiority, uh, birds and animals and all the beings that are there. We know they feel pleasure and pain and they feel kind of fear. Their cries may be one form of prayer. So if you look at this, the whole world is kind of Praying, this makes a kind of a spiritual world. Everything is praying. And if we can trace the idea of prayers in all religions, it's been there for thousands and thousands of years. In fact, the beginnings of every religion is prayer. 
and from prayers have sprung mythology. We have prayed to gods and goddesses and saints and mythological heroes or real heroes. To any number of people, we have been praying constantly. And this is a kind of a fascinating study. The whole world prays. It may not be kind of in a formal way. We pray, but then we later learn how to pray in a very formal way. So this is a kind of a preamble. We know that, like I said, everybody prays. I would say amongst uh, more than 7.7 billion people inhabiting the planet, 90% of the people pray, and 10% do not admit it. <laughs> In fact, if you look at it, that's the only good thing about us. We can pray. And as long as we can do that, there is hope for us and for the world. We have this life is kind of full of struggles and pains. And prayers have been in human life as initially as part of a kind of a ritual, a worship. But Sri Ramakrishna says that if you pray sincerely, you can realize God. That makes prayer an independent pathway to God. And as we have seen how Sri Ramakrishna, Holy Mother, and all the disciples, their lives are centered in prayer. Sri Ramakrishna says that in this age, Human life is dependent on food, annagata pran, and to practice high forms of yoga are almost impossible for many. Prayer is the answer. And Sri Ramakrishna constantly taught us how to pray, to make your mind and your speech one, and let the prayer issue out from your heart. When we speak about prayers, you know, Swami Vivekananda says, every thought is almost indestructible. Thoughts are things, they travel far. Beware of what you think. When we look at prayers, prayers also mean that they travel far, they are almost indestructible. And when we, have, when we get into the attitude of prayer, or while we are praying, what happens is all the prayers uttered by humanity for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, they enter into you and makes your prayer even more powerful. Yes, and with a note of caution, when you think some bad thoughts, all the bad vibrations in the universe will rush into your brain and will make you worse. And it's been seen 
that that's the case when a person does something good, that person keeps on improving steadily. Similarly, when we know when a person does something wrong, it goes down. Uh, mantras, the mantra sastris, those who are experts in mantras say that every word has a kind of a power. And you don't even need a deity to pray to. If you chant the mantras correctly, the words themselves, the sounds themselves, will give you the fruition of your prayers. And that's the reason why the one part of the ancient philosophy called uh, ritualist, Purvam Mimamsas, they said, they dispensed with the idea of you know, personal God, praying to personal God. You just do the ritual correctly, utter the mantras correctly, and you get your fruits. Prayers uttered or taught by sages and saints, or men of God, or avatars, they carry with them an extra power. In fact, these prayers have been given at this particular age. And if we repeat them, our prayers become more powerful. So like I said, the avatar comes to hear our comes as a response to our prayers and it teaches us prayers and infuses those prayers with the divine power. A lot of people think, oh, prayer, these guys don't know how to do higher forms of yoga or meditation, or japa, this and that, and so they rely on some quick, you can say, fix at prayer. No, if you notice, it is the strong also that pray. In fact, prayer comes from tremendous strength to surrender oneself to God. It's not an easy thing. It's not meant for weaklings. It takes tremendous strength and struggle to surrender oneself to God. And prayers like these carry a tremendous potential for doing good. What's the efficacy of prayer, Swami Vivekananda says? By prayers, one's subtle powers are easily roused, and if consciously done, all desires may be fulfilled by it. But done unconsciously, perhaps one in ten are fulfilled. So we've been talking about the subtle aspects of prayer. Yes, in fact, if you look at our own bodies, from one standpoint, yes, we are made from genetic material. And from a deeper aspect, we can see that each cell is a kind of a battery with a positive and a negative. The negative inside and positive. It is intelligent. And there are more than 37 trillion, about 37 trillion cells in the human body. And 
they all coalesce into one whole called organism. You are a battery. You are already powerful. This organism amazingly listens to a kind of a master voice called the mind. And that's the reason why there's so much harmony. We actually interact electrically with people and with things. Now, in such a scenario, if we pray, what happens is these energies within are kind of harmonized and they take a kind of a form. And once you know this, your prayers will be powerful. We say, why does not God listen to our prayers? At many, many times we say, yes, if you are moral, you'll get your prayers answered very quickly. Your energies have become focused, not dissipated. And that's the reason why they, they always talk about you must be moral. And all religions speak about it. So this, in the ancient India, uh, we call it this electricity in our bodies and everywhere, everywhere. It's called prana or chi. This prana can be used in a tremendous way for the good of others. We have the potential to change this world. It is a, your prayer are a kind of a cosmic dance of energy. So it, this is, then we generally go through life in a kind of a very fragmented way. And we get hurt. Prayer integrates a personality, integrates a character. And this is a tremendous, you can say, aid in preserving our sanity and orienting ourselves to the good. So this integration of personality takes place because of prayer. Sri Ramakrishna says one must pray restlessly for God. In Sri Ramakrishna's first visions of Mother Kali was because of his intense prayers. He calls it vakulata, that longing to see God. It's not just, I am here and please cure my tummy and my headache. Prayer then focus, we start like this, doesn't matter. But then the intensity of prayer gathers and then you want to see the one who answers the prayers, God. One has to become restless for him. It is a connection between you and the divine. Four types of people pray, as the Bhagavad Gita says. Those who are afflicted, those who are poverty-stricken, those who are seekers, and those who are the people of knowledge. Chaturvida bhajati maam chana sukriti norjana. They are all sukriti. They are all good people. And we pray. 
and there's nothing wrong with praying. And the Lord says, they all pray to me. We might be praying to different gods and goddesses. Yes, but the fruits are given by God himself, herself. Prayer makes us self-reliant. Once you know you have a huge reservoir of strength and power of divinity, you tap into it. Prayer never leaves you alone. It vibrates in your body and mind and changes one's perception of the world. Prayer starts with okay, these are the forms and there's a text and these are the symbols and later on it spills out and embraces humanity and the people. And it's a tremendous, you can say, uh, strength to understand that when we pray for the people, our prayers are easily answered. That's the secret. So you pray for others. And then you question whether God listens to our prayers or no. Sometimes uh, we feel that prayers are just one-sided. Whether We keep on praying and praying and praying and nothing seems to be happening. Now the very fact that you are praying, you are changing yourself. You are preparing yourself. And it's important, suppose you pray once and you get an immediate response. I'll say, wow. And then what happens is you might become complacent. No, one has to struggle a bit and push oneself. And then we get responses for prayers. You know, we join our hands, we kneel down, or we bow down. These various gestures and postures are used by different religions to put us in a kind of a prayerful mood. And it's necessary. When we pray, we don't need to be lolling about and doing, just, just relaxing. No. These postures and gestures help us to concentrate. And, and as a result, it becomes, your prayer becomes powerful. We have the Jesus prayer, which has been used in the Eastern Orthodox tradition for thousands of years. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And this prayer has been the heart of Christian Orthodox, you can say, traditions. And it has been repeated by thousands and thousands of devotees and monks and saints. And it, it has a wonderful power. Like I mentioned, when people pray that same prayer, that prayer has the potential confer what you wish to see. So this is a kind of a 
surrender to God. We have Kunti, the mother of the five Pandavas, praying, I am not afraid to wander the streets homeless like a beggar, nor to be cast away, condemned or exiled. I wish all those calamities would happen again and again to me so that I could see you again and again. So here we are. We don't get frightened of whether we will stop, you can say. Uh, I would put it like that. We stop struggling or something like that, that God will take care of everything. We keep on struggling. We keep on suffering. But that prayer becomes even more intense when we feel pain and suffer and we weep. So there are various forms of prayers, silent prayer, an audible prayer, prayer of the heart. That is another huge, you can say, tradition in Christianity. After a while, Sri Ramakrishna says, like he says, ritual sandhya merges into the Gayatri. It's a kind of short prayer. And Gayatri merges into the sound of Om. And Om merges in that great silence. So lengthy prayers naturally will become shortened as the intensity of prayer increases. In another example he gives us, Nitayamar Mata Hati. And he, as you keep on chanting and dancing and praying, you end up with only Mata Hati. And then again it ends up only with Hati. My Nitai dances like a mad elephant. Nitai was a, a companion of Sri Chaitanya. And then Sri Ramakrishna says, and then slowly he's just Ha! And that person gets into Samadhi. Prayer has the capacity to give you the highest realizations instead of taking these long, uh, you can say, circuitous routes, prayer leads you directly to this highest realization. Sri Ramakrishna says, like suppose there is a robber in a room, and in the room beside, there is some gold kept. Will that robber be able to sleep the whole night? No. That person will be restless. If we know that we all have a soul and the soul can be realized or God can be realized, can we be complacent? It should spur us on. And prayer gives us that feeling of God's nearness. He or she is there. People come and complain. Sometimes we don't uh, know whether God listens to our prayers. I said, look deep into your heart and you know whether God has answered your prayers or, no, or why he, has, he or she hasn't answered the prayers. You know exactly why. There was a very fine character in Dakshineshwar with, with Sri Ramakrishna. 
His name was Hazra. He asked Sri Ramakrishna, does God have ears? I've been praying for so long and I don't find any response from him. And Sri Ramakrishna gives him an example. See? You see, you, you've seen how farmers get water in their sugarcane fields by cutting a channel from the, from the fields to the reservoir and the water runs down to the fields. But if there are plenty of holes or leaks in the channel, all the water will dribble out. So desires and other things in the mind while praying will call, cause that divine grace to leak out. And that's the reason why we feel that God is not responsive. We need to pluck those holes. Sri Ramakrishna once gave an example. A fakir, a itinerant, you can say, holy man, he goes to one of the emperors of India, Emperor Akbar, for arms, of course. And the emperor motions him to just wait a while. While he was praying, and the emperor is praying, give me more land, give me more conquest, give me more wealth, give me more fame. So the fakir got up and he was leaving. Akbar beckoned him. Why are you leaving without accepting any gifts? So I don't beg from beggars. You are, you are yourself are like a beggar. We are praying to God, give me this, give me that. So I rather I pray to Allah and get my gifts directly from him. So God is the doer. God confers gifts and God knows exactly what we need for our spiritual and also material development. Prayer starts, as I said, small. There is there's something called a preparatory prayer. We start, we, uh, and it's not continuous or not intense. And we start small and then keeps on getting more and more better and then becomes advanced. So the quality of tamas, that's a darkness and lassitude and indolence, along with a little rajaguna, passion and activity, these form the preparatory stage of prayer. As prayer becomes advanced, what happens is we can pray for a longer time. If prayers are done correctly, our bodies and minds will not suffer any fatigue. That is the way Swami Vivekananda says. If we get tired while praying, or we are distracted, you are not praying correctly. So prayer focused, in fact, energizes one. We derive psychic energy from those prayers. So this is how we come. Huh? And then, as we know, there's 
the perfected prayers that are perfected these prayers have confirmed the perfection of saints they even perfected sages they pray for what for more perfection no not for more perfection but their prayer now becomes universal prayer is like that key to the cosmos it is of course a spiritual key you can open the whole of this universe through prayers as we keep on praying prayer becomes internalized and that's very important no longer do we need a deity always there in front of us either image or picture or symbol and we as we keep on praying the prayers become internalized along with the internalization of these prayers the conceptions of god also will become internalized so long we had one idea of god we've begun with that and as we proceed prayer purifies the mind purifies the bodies and the conceptions of god keep on changing so long we have been bothered by things like pain and suffering and yet we have hope we have the idea of grace we also have something like the fear of death and the unknown the afterlife all these things have bothered us and yet we have been equipped with love and devotion and faith and prayers we have a perfect counter to the world's problems internally as well as externally and this is what devotees need to hold on to because as you mentioned as long as a person can pray there is always hope for him these conceptions of god are various there is uh, there are generally we pray to a personal god a god who answers our prayers there are religions in which there are no personal gods at all in fact there are religions where there is no god at all they dispensed with divinity yes so but even in these religions you find prayer so it's not necessary to have a you can say symbol or a deity personal prayer in uh, in the quran we know that allah is without a form but he has qualities he listens to prayers and in other religions we have a cosmic idea of god that god is the sum total of all living beings and that is the reason why we there are some religions who say 
prayer is a form of karma. And as the karma is strong enough, you will receive response from those prayers like that. Swami Vivekananda says, finally it comes down to, it is your own will that answers prayers. You have the capacity to answer your own prayers. Your lower nature prays and your higher nature answers. This is of course from the standpoint of Vedanta. But then for most of us, we need to commence prayers with a deity. Where Sri Ramakrishna says, one must pray standing near the Kalpataru. Kalpataru is the wish-fulfilling tree. God is the wish-fulfilling tree. You cannot go somewhere else and pray. Saying you must be able to come there near God, feel that presence of God in a temple because the idea of sacred is embedded in us. And this idea of sacred expands as we keep on praying and especially in a temple. And that's the reason why a church or a synagogue. There are particular times which are even more helpful to prayers. And that's the reason why all the religions have said you pray in the morning or pray in the evening or something like that. So time and place and when there's a group prayer, that prayer becomes extremely powerful. This God whom we pray to is one. And that's the reason why in the Bhagavad Gita, Man Mavna Bhava Mad Bhaktu Madhyaji Maam Namaskuru, it says, fix your mind on me, be devoted to me, sacrifice unto me, Having thus made yourself steadfast in me, taking me as a supreme goal, you will come to me. And we have seen this prayer being answered in the life of Sri Ramakrishna. Sri Ramakrishna's life was centered in prayer, as it means. And that also Holy Mother. She said, pray. But with always the idea that there is a God who is compassionate, who is loving, who is caring, and with whom I am eternally joined, eternally yoked. In fact, uh, Swami Vivekananda says that the soul and God are eternally linked. None can sever this connection. We are linked to God from eternity. Somehow we have felt kind of separate. Prayer brings us back on the track. And once we know that this prayer that we have is a kind of, of a veneration, an adoration, prayer for these small things will slowly drop off. And your whole being will vibrate with that prayer.
everything you do or say will be a form of prayer. One's life will become divinized. One will see that divinity everywhere. And then we will never be judgmental, critical, or anything. We are all praying in a huge, you can see, prayer. Every prayer that has gone from the human heart for thousands of years have reached the throne of mercy, as Swami Vivekananda says. Every prayer, every single, nothing is lost in the spiritual world. Nothing. If thoughts are almost imperishable, then we have something which is a tremendous, you can say, responsibility given to us to mold us, mold the world. And this is why this whole universe prays. In even when we are not praying, there's someone else praying for us. And we need to have a kind of a compassionate view of all living beings that they too in their own because whatever is living has a soul and every soul aspires to be helped, to be raised. So everything that has a soul has been praying. So our lives, when we talk about I'm so lonely, I'm alone, nobody loves me. Oh no! Completely wrong, completely mistaken. The whole world is there with you and you are there with the whole world. And that's the reason why slowly, like Swami uh, Shardananda in his great master says, as we keep on praying, the form of God which is static slowly becomes dynamic. It smiles, listens to you, touches you, you can touch God, it becomes palpable within you. And as we keep on praying, we merge in that divinity. So the goal of prayers, yes, everything is God in the ultimate sense. And we are all parts of God. Amongst devotees, they have divided into three or four kind of perfections. One is, I like to be where God exists, the personal God, and be happy with him or her forever. That's called Salokya, in the same plane where God exists. And then, I like to be really close to God. It's called Samipya, kind of proximity. And then there is something called Sayujya. I'm constantly yoked to God. And then the final, you can say, liberation or the perfection is I am part of God. And that is called Sarupya. So do we need to go to a plane, a higher plane or 
anywhere else? No. It happens within. We start feeling the presence of God as we keep on praying. We feel God's proximity. Then we feel our identity with God. And finally, I and you, you and I, partake of the same nature. So prayer which started even selfishly, give me this and give me that, is valid. There's no need to think that God might get nervous <laughs> whenever these guys pray. At least we are praying to God and not anything, not doing anything wrong. So, <laughs> with prayer, one needs patience. And when patience and prayer are together, one will see a tremendous transformation. It's not only going to help you. Now, it will help the future generations of seekers of God. So this whole universe of this, this human and the subhuman, sorry about this word about subhuman. <laughs> Nothing is higher or lower in this universe which has life. Every life is precious and every life when it prays gets its response. So God has a mighty task to keep on listening to all the prayers in all the forms, in all the states of mind. And we say, does God has ears? Yes, plenty of ears. Sarvata Shrutimal Loke, Sarvam Avrita. He has eyes and ears and heads everywhere. And he keeps on hearing. Prayer gives us a tremendous strength, kind of a heroism, kind of a daring spirit. That I have God and nothing is ever going to change this relationship with me. No troubles and no struggles are big enough to topple me down. Yes, we will go through life. Don't get frightened about suffering, or pain, or all these things. These things are inevitable part of existence. But then we have a prayers to lift us, to take us to the throne of mercy and like the Buddha says, Swami Vivekananda says, when Buddha is pray, let all beings be happy, let all beings be peaceful, and let all beings be blissful. He turned towards the east and the west and north and south, above and below, and the whole universe was full of his love. Prayer gives us that kind of opportunity to get in touch with that universal love. That is God. That is your prayer. So your conscious mind praying, your subconscious mind praying, your breath itself is praying, so hum, hum, sir. You are reminding yourself of the divinity. 
somehow we've just missed the whole thing. We are constantly praying in our work, in our struggles, in our lives, in our joys and sorrows. Everything we do is a prayer and it is being recorded and responded to. Om Shanti 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 Harihi Om Tatsat Sri Ram Krishna Rapanamastu. You've been listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Thanks for listening.